Oh, Chris. Okay, we're recording now. How are you? I'm good. It's been a while, Zach. How are you? Oh man, it's yeah, it's been a while. It's usually it's your fault, but this time it's my fault because I had this little operation and I sounded so crap last week that there, there was just no point, you know, recording anything. So yeah, it's all my fault. So I'm, I'm happy to take that on the chin. Um, I think that's the only thing I can actually take on the chin. I've got a I've got a jaw made of glass, mate. So anyway, that's so yeah, cool. what's, yeah. So what's new, man? Nothing, man. Just uh. Trying to survive mentally. <laughs> okay. Are you still yeah. in lockdown? Are you still as in lockdown? Okay. Are you still in isolation? No, no. I'm out. I'm. I worked today for a little bit. Okay. But I don't know. It's just uh, everybody. You know, the soul society is pretty down and mm. stuff. So it's it's not been super fun recently. But I don't know. Hopefully, we'll see greener pastures sooner than later. But, mm. I don't really know any answers at this point. Well, as long as they're German pastures, I think uh, travel beyond uh, Germany is going to be quite challenging, isn't it, over the coming weeks? That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, you also went to Portugal at the right time. I think uh, since your return, they've had a bit of an outbreak, apparently. Yeah, I think the yeah. week I got back, or after I got back, they shut down everything. And Chris, 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 what have you done? Uh, I didn't bring it there. I hope not. That'd be one hell of a guilt trip for you to have for the rest of your life. They have quite the UK population there, so. Okay. So they're from all the the retired English folk making their way down to the Argive. Mm. Relax. Yeah. The winter. That's it. that's it. Blame 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 the Brits, man. That's uh, that's that's definitely the the trend. I think the growing trend at the moment around the world, and uh, yeah, some of it justifiably too. But still, okay. Um, yeah, normally U.S. presidents are analysed, shall we say, after their first 100 days. Is that something that goes back to Lyndon Baines Johnson or before? I can't. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. First 100 days. That's what the. That's how you get. You know rate them mm. um, obviously trump was you know by his own admission the best as in uh, president over the first hundred days he did more than anybody had ever done throughout their presidency even um but you know moving back towards reality how, how do you think uh, mr biden has done so far it's only been a couple of weeks so uh, personally i haven't i've kept up a little bit um i haven't read too much but I know just, you know, he made some pretty big executive orders his first week that were kind of important, especially like the Paris Agreement, getting back into that. Um, but uh, he said a lot of things about his first uh, on his list was to combat the coronavirus and get it under control. And that was his whole campaign thing. And well, for what, what I'm hearing is most of the restaurants are staying open and bars and some of opening more so it looks like uh, maybe he has a different strategy but uh, we'll see but i think it's just overall the mood is a lot better and the of americans they feel at least they have someone who's has a conscience mm. that's you know is it it's it, it, <laughs> It seems like uh, the, the stories emerging from the White House have diminished somewhat. So, you know, before you used to practically have a, a news cycle every you know, three or four hours, you know, a new tweet, another controversy, another damning statement from somebody or other. But now things have settled down to perhaps what they were like pre-Trump when you had a press briefing practically every day and everything was as normal so do you think some people in the press are actually you know regretting it in some sense because i mean newspapers you know with trump they made a lot of money didn't they yeah i think some of the bigger networks are definitely you know losing like that that was just a huge part of their programs was trump and you know there's plenty of stuff to write about and talk about so there's a little transition, but we'll see. I think uh, they're still talking about him. 
when they can. Mm. They're still working on this impeachment. And I think a lot of the other Republicans who have kind of radical are showing their, their true colors. And a lot of people are attacking them, like Ted Cruz recently and this crazy woman from Georgia. I yeah, what's, what's good? Really nuts, man. But she's also like a QAnon believer, or maybe even a member of the, the movement. I think she's she's like quite hardcore, isn't she? Yeah, it's really crazy. But I mean, I see what happened. You know, she's from the small this like the small county in Georgia that was like ninety five percent Trump supporters, and they're known for. There's never been like a Democrat elected in you know forty years, but she's just. Uh, She's crazy, I and mean, she thinks she's she says, and she attacked. Uh, she doesn't believe in the school shootings, and, and there was a survivor who has been, you know, trying to get the gun laws changed, and she was attacking this. You know, the guy's like maybe 18 or 19, and she's attacking him in the street, telling her that she has a gun and that you're gonna take her guns away. It's just, you know, you're a representative, represent a representative of you know your community and your country and just to have these kind of views, I don't understand why they're allowing it in my opinion. Yeah, there was, I, I do remember after the 6th of January, I think assault, some people call it insurrection, you know, please, you know, anybody put, put whatever word you think is best there. Um, if Joe Biden and quite a few politicians thereafter came out and said, no, nah, this look, this isn't American society. We have to be better than this. We have to show who we really are. And then, and, and I thought to myself, one minute, I, I'm not quite sure that that's the correct assessment. I, I don't mean to, you know, put your country down, Chris, uh, but you know, American society has shown itself to be quite violent, uh, especially over, you know, the last few years. And Miss um, Rapinoe, who is a very outspoken professional American football player, you know, she came out, I think, quite clearly and said, this is exactly who. Uh, the USA is. And now these elements of uh, our society are really showing their true colors. Where do you stand on that? No, I, I think it's very, I mean, Americans are very aggressive and want to be heard. And But let's just make it clear that what happened on January 6th is not a representation of Americans. Those, those people are radical uh, domestic terrorists who were radicalized by a dictator and a leader named Donald Trump. And that's the kind of things that happen when you have these people who are in power like that, you know, they just, they make people feel empowered and the people who don't like other ones and the, the racist and the, they, they gave them an opportunity. They gave them a voice. And it's kind of sad that so many people, lost their lives, threw away their lives, disrespected, uh, you know, people that they care about because of Donald Trump and his beliefs and their beliefs. I don't know. I just, I never thought that could happen. And also to me, it seems like a total conspiracy because uh, how can you let, you know, growing up in the DC area, like you go by the Capitol, you can barely drive three or four blocks in front of it without being, you know, without there's gates and police. And then on this day, these people just walk up the stairs and police are running and, and this is like, how does this happen? So it definitely was an inside, inside job. And, and also, you know, all the police officers that are coming out that are being charged that were there, it kind of represents what the problem with the police are, you know? That's why you have all these, you know, inequality and issues and police brutality problems because the police, some, you know, some police officers are white supremacist and power crazy QAnon conspiracy theorists, you know? Mm. Yeah, I mean, in the future, I'd, I'd like to have a, a chat with you also about conspiracy theory, conspiracy fact, conspiracy or alternative uh, you know histories and so on because there is a you know, there is a certain reputation that conspiracy theories have and theorists have um, but for some reason this is like a, a, a universal brush used to tarnish every kind of theory even when some of them are actually backed up with a bit of evidence so you know there are varying degrees shall we say of theory um, but what you say 
you know stands up to analysis doesn't it if, if normally you have a situation where there are um, you know protective law enforcement groups in an area and then on a specific occasion there are none and on that occasion something happens which hasn't happened in many many years then you do tend to think you know this isn't purely a coincidence it can't be no no, it's not. And then the the head of the Capitol Police and some other heads retired. Yeah, they they resigned the next day. One senator said when he arrived at the Capitol that day, he's never seen less police presence ever. And he's been a senator for you know for like twenty years. He's been coming to the Capitol. He's like there's the fewest police officers he's ever seen guarding the Capitol that day, especially the biggest day. In, of, in four years of the counting of the electoral votes and there isn't heavy police um, presence especially after they you know they're constantly checking these websites and these these, uh, these apps and Twitter and people are talking about we need to meet on this day we're going to take over the Capitol and we're going to hang Nancy Pelosi and we're going to make them pay for stealing the election. We're going to stop the steal. You know, it's like nonsense. Mm. I mean, this even spread to, to Germany. So I, I saw an article about how, you know, there are sort of active uh, QAnon communities in Germany. And essentially they were saying the exact same things. And on the 6th of January, they were there waiting in anticipation of something to occur. And it's, you know, I mean, if people in Germany are aware um, from these groups, you know, these telegram groups that they were, you know, that something is going to happen. It would strike me as a bit strange that the FBI or other parties in the USA in law enforcement didn't. But, yeah, okay. All right, that's a different issue as well. So, I mean, yeah, there are so many things to talk about, man. But, um, yeah, so we wanted to focus today a little bit on betting. Mm. Uh, My so, favorite. <laughs> yeah, is that why you left the USA so you could do your, you <laughs> my love, bet. my love hate relationship with online sports betting? Okay, um, yeah, so, okay. How did you get into it first, and why do you like it so much? Well, I always thought it was very interesting. I always, I'm a huge sports fan. Um, mm. And then a couple years ago, I was playing. I used to play a lot of golf and spend a lot of time at country clubs with, you know middle upper class white guys and with dispendable incomes and they would always be betting on football games and basketball games while we we're playing you know talking about the spread and i was like man i want to get in on this so i asked one of my friends like what how can i you know get in and he was like oh yeah I'm, i have a my, my buddy's a, a bookie because it was illegal at this point in the states mm. so they had like some offline account, uh, website and accounts and really just make a deposit and you make the bet. But the thing about it was kind of tricky is like you end up having to PayPal some guy later. You know, you, like you have the PayPal, you have the money in your account. And if you, you put the money up, you lose, you owe somebody the money. And it can kind of go south really bad, you know, fast. Um, but then when I moved here, uh, I started uh, when I was working with this guy. Get uh, from Guinea, Tijan, a good friend of mine, and every day he would talk about like how much how he would lose. He's like, ah, oh, Manchester United. He's like, they always lose. They never can win. Like, yeah, it's very true. You know, it's, it's you typical, had to pick United. What was that? You had to pick United, right? Manchester United, of course. I just wanted to state yeah, facts. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. So. So I'm like, he's every day he's talking about it, talking about it. So then I, then when I realized that it was legal here, um, I was just interested. And I think it's like summer or fall, winter, I think winter of 2000, no, it was like 2019, like February, March. I started going to the bet shop across the street. And I would just go for like one game a week, you know, a big game, and put like 20 euros down and get my little ticket. And then, well, I, well, I, well, I, have, I had a, a account in the UK, like Bet365, I think it is. Mm. 
and they changed some rules and then i think they found that i was american and, and like i don't know and they blocked my account but i was just you know i just learned from that but i don't know it just made watching uh soccer football whatever you want to call it more exciting for me i already like watching watching it and then when you put a little bit of money on it it just makes it more exciting especially with the winners and these gray and gloomy days and Saturdays when you're just a little little hungover and nothing to do, you know, you just put some money on the game. And then when I got the app on my phone back, it's just I started strategizing more and then you get better at it. But I don't know. They all, yeah, the, the book always wins at the end of the day. It's hard to be successful. But I do enjoy it. So, I mean, how, how do you look at it then? Because, all right, you, you know quite a bit about sport, obviously, so you're not just randomly picking out, you know, numbers from a hat or anything. You, you sort of, you analyze the game. I mean, do you only bet on games that you're familiar with? Do you only bet on sports that you're familiar with, for example? Well, yeah, well, when I first started, I would just bet kind of randomly, and I would always bet, like, the big teams. And then I realized that I need to kind of keep up with it and keep a streak. So then now I kind of have, like, four teams that I kind of watch, like, consistently. And I try to play them, you know, when it's, like when I think it's going to be a win. But the thing that's difficult is, like, when you think they're going to win, you always lose. And then when you play, you lose. But when you think they're going to win and then you don't play, they win. So mm. it's tough. But I also I started looking at who's playing home and away. Since there's no fans, it's made, definitely made it more difficult, I think, because and, it's more of a neutral ground. There's no there's no home field advantage. When you had the home field, I mean, you knew teams were going to play at, like, an Anfield or or wherever. You know, you know it's going to be a tough game, you know. Because I, I used to go to uh, the bet shop, and I think, like, Arsenal was playing – uh, Liverpool at Liverpool, and you know Arsenal was playing really well, and, and I think a lot of players for Liverpool were out, and I put money on Arsenal, and I remember the bookie guy at the shop looked at me and goes, "Liverpool lose at home? <laughs> okay, give me the money." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I guess you didn't see that money back. No, but it's it's. I, mean, I try not to go too far with it and get too deep, but you know if, if I win a couple games. No, I might go a little bit higher. I started, I also, like when there's a, not UEFA, what's, what's, what's the other UEFA, Europa League? Okay. Like those games are very easy to pick. And then I'll usually do like a single ticket, five or six games for five euros. And you can win like 50, 60 euros. Oh, like an accumulator. You do one on two. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, you know, especially the early rounds, like the matchups are just like huge club versus little club. And you just know the odds are in your favor. But I mean, for example, you know, NBA, because uh, the other night I watched a game, I think it was Jazz against the Nuggets, and the Jazz had been on like an 11 game winning streak or something, and then the Nuggets came out and just destroyed them. Uh, yeah, I guess basketball, I guess. basketball's a lot tougher. And the thing about betting in like US sports, which I, I don't, I mean, I enjoy all of it, but it makes it a little more difficult, is they have these money lines and spread lines, and, and, and like soccer, you just pick a winner, and then you mm. get, and then whatever the odds they give the winner, if they give them two euros, three euros, then you just get that times whatever you put in. But in the U.S., like you play basketball, and so that game, say Utah was favored by four point, four and a half points, and you pick Utah, like they have, like they they have to win. And even if they win, or they win by four and a half, they do it by more than four and a half, I think. Yeah, it's a spread. If it's a spread bet, then yeah, if they anything above four and a half that they win by, they, that's basically that multiplies yeah. your your stake, I think. So really, I mean, you almost get if you bet the underdog, you have like two chances to win, you know, because they they can still lose, but say they lose by two points, you still win. Mm. But I, that's tricky, you know, but I also, I read a lot on Twitter, what people are, you know, what people are betting and 
check the weather, check who's playing. And now I'm, like, I've watched so many games, like, I, I can check the lineup, and I'm like, oh, okay. Definitely. Like, like, like when Manchester played uh, Liverpool. Oh, okay, yeah. On uh, Sunday, mm. or last Sunday, I was like, when I saw the lineup, I, I saw Manchester United's lineup, I was like, oh, man, that's a good lineup. But I was like, Liverpool's lost five games in a row. Big match. They're going to win. But, I mean, sometimes the line – and, you know, Paul Pope has been playing so well lately. It's, it's like night and day when he's playing well. Yeah, I, I think United hit a bit of a patch where, you know, they didn't really perform very well. So, you know, 0-0 zero, zero against a, a very, you know, an injury-affected Liverpool team and then to go down 2-1 to Sheffield United in the way that they did. So, okay, the referees afterwards reported that they made a mistake. United should have won 2-1 according to the decisions, but still, I mean, the performance of Sheffield United was really good. You know, they were defensively very solid and so on. So United's, Manchester United's attacking, um, you know, it wasn't particularly effective. Um, and then, of course, the game against Arsenal, again, you know, not particularly free-flowing. Um, so, I mean, these things happen in sport. That's why we watch sport, isn't it? Because it's unpredictable. I mean, and you know, that's the nature of the beast. If we could predict everything, then what would be the point of watching it? Exactly. And then when you have a game, you know, I play a lot of games, but... Every once in a while, you get this game where the, you know the, a team goes down two nothing in the first half, and they win three two, and you put your money on the team who was down, and they turn it around. It's just like you're jumping up and out of your chair and running around your apartment, screaming and super excited to win 15 euros. But I don't know, it just it, just, it makes it's a highlight of my day, you know. I bet your neighbors love you. Yeah, they do. I yeah. love them too. um but i mean talking okay this is the the sort of perhaps the more uh positive side of 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 gambling but you know let's talk a little bit more about the other side so okay you when you arrived in germany you were like whoa they've got gambling here so you know can you sort of tell me about the this cultural element in the usa because it's quite surprising for most people when when they think well you can't gamble in anywhere in the u.s okay now because of the supreme court decision in 2018 uh since then 11 states have legalized uh online gambling uh betting but um they're still awaiting to so some states have already begun other states they're waiting for the start date to be confirmed and so on so i mean it's still not universal all over the states but why is this why why is there this limit I mean, how come it's taken so long for the usa to allow people to bet hmm that's a good question i mean i i really don't i mean if i did some research i could probably give you a decent answer but i think it has something to do with prohibition alcohol gambling mm. just con- that kind of control back then also, I know like Nevada was one of the only states where gambling was legal, certain types of gambling. Um, other states, you could play like slot machines and uh, card games, uh, but sports betting wasn't legal in all states. Um, and also, I think it was more like trying to like, a, like certain states controlled the gambling, so they wanted to keep it like that for like tourism reasons. And that's okay. that sort of thing. But if you think about the amount of money that, that you know, if you have by having like gambling in casinos, these places can make, then it's fine. But I mean, it's not like gambling was completely illegal everywhere. But the Supreme Court made it so, you know, nationally you could have it, especially like sports gambling. And it's a huge, uh, it's been a huge invest. I invested in some uh, company that was really big. It's that was like the head of the, the sports gambling called Penn National. And I made a lot of money off of that. <laughs> when okay. They, they changed that uh, that law. Oh, so they, you mean in shares, uh, the share price? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Investing okay. in the, bought a bunch of stock from them. And when they changed it, it just boomed because that's what people are getting into. And then they're going to open up some, like some sports betting bars type places outside the a lot of the arenas in the u.s they're doing one in dc 
So you can go to before and like have some beers and then bet on the, you know, put, place your bets and watch games and then go watch the live game. So it seems like a perfect situation for sports fans. Mm. But also, I guess betting is, you know, can be very dangerous too, you know? So maybe for society, societal reasons, they just wanted to keep more of a control and kind of slowly see how it goes. But this is the thing that I, you know, I, I want to do. I, I mean, I want to get into the the potential dangers, uh, which are, I suppose, quite well known anyway. But um, you know, a bit later. But I mean, with regards to this element, it's it strikes me as strange because in almost every other way, the USA is or the government, you know, uh, consecutive governments from both sides, are very non-interventionist. Um, and so to have such a you know, a clearly interventionist policy of a blanket ban on sports betting seems really strange, especially as you, if you imagine the tax revenue um, that the individual states and the federal government could get from you know from legalizing betting. Yeah, and who knows? I mean, there's also such an underworld of it in the U.S. in the 80s and 90s that maybe, you know, the, the those, you know, the mafia and other groups were trying to keep it illegal for their profitability. Okay, so you think that this extensive sort of organized crime racketeering lobbies, uh, you know, wanted it to remain as it was so that they could, only they could control it and profit from it? Yeah. I mean, somewhat. Yeah. I mean, it does seem a bit strange. I mean, because know. like I know, like when I was like in in Maryland, like horse racing is huge. So you can bet on horses, but you can't bet on people. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, uh, they also they make casinos legal, um, like so poker and slot machines in the last ten years, which was huge and. It created like thousands and thousands of jobs and created revenue and taxes. And, um, so that was big. But the sports betting, that's the only one that's really been legal in the States. And I just don't, I, re- I wish I had an answer about it. Was it, was it there like, um, I do record some kind of scandal in American football, I think in the 90s about uh, betting um, when they were betting on their own team. Uh, players were involved in some kind of betting circles. Do, do you recall this? Uh, do you recall this scandal? Yeah. Um, the one I know the most about is uh, college basketball. Okay. And uh, it was the, mob, the New York mob was directly involved in it. And they had approached... Um, like, have you seen Goodfellas? Yeah. So, like, Henry Hill, he has an interview, and he talks about, um, I forget what school. It was a Villanova or something. I forget the school. But they had uh, had the players, you know, they went to the players' dorms and stuff, and, you know, were, were muscling them, saying, like, hey, like, we got a game coming up, and you're going to make some money. And uh, we need you to make sure, like, the score is not within 10 points. And and then one guy on the team, like, we'll get a couple other guys and say, hey, man, we if we win by 10 points, I'll give you 500 bucks. And these are college kids who don't have, like, money, who are trying to make it. And they, they're seeing every, all the big-time you know, professional athletes making money, and they're living in the dorm and struggling. And then next thing you know, they have, you know, some some Italian mafia guy giving them money. To throw, not, you know, not even throw games, but just make sure the score is correct. You know, mm. miss a couple free throws here and there, and they made a lot of money. Like the one big fix, I mean, they made tons of money on this this one story. But I, I was watching it on the airplane a couple months ago. But yeah, I mean, that's that was their direct way to get into it. Mm. I mean, it's strange how. You know, these seem to occur mostly with the lesser known uh, sports or lesser known teams because there's less focus on uh, you know on these kinds of games and obviously you know, you, you can you can actually have these really strange results 
um, which you know it's less likely, for example, for Aston Villa to beat Liverpool 7-2 uh, than it is for some you know two semi-professional teams to go at it, and uh, you know you can have an 8-1 or a 9-0 or a 10-0 quite frequently um, in the the lower leagues, which you wouldn't normally experience in you know the sort of uh, higher echelons of uh, professional sport in any sport, essentially, I imagine. So it makes sense that they go after. Um, college basketball more than NBA, um, but I mean, you know, a, a lot of the power for you know, American sports is held in the hands of the leagues, isn't it? So, as in the NBA, they're in charge of all of the merchandising, they're in charge of the, you know, the, the, the contracts, is it, of uh, of players and so on. So is, I mean, there's they have a lot of power, don't they? In TV, their TV uh, contracts. Yeah, you know, like for example, um, like the Houston Rockets, um, their their general manager made a comment about like the genocide going on in China. Like the same thing, Mesut Ozil made you know made a comment about, and you know Arsenal lost. Uh, they, they stopped selling jerseys in China, mm. Arsenal jerseys, and when the GM of the Houston Rockets said something about the genocide. They lost a $150 million like TV contract in China. And Houston Rockets were like China's favorite team because of Yao Ming. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's big money. So also maybe, you know, these big teams, like the, the NBA and NFL, MLB, maybe they weren't able to control the betting and the money. And, and it also... They're, I think they're also afraid of it ruining the integrity of the of the league. You know, like players are going out, and the players are like, hey, uh, you can bet on players. You know, like you can bet on Russell Westbrook to, to score over over or under thirty points. You know, so if you if you're like, hey, I'm gonna go, I'm playing my I'm playing tonight, and you go put a you know two thousand on yourself, and you say I'm gonna score under thirty, and the odds for you to score under thirty or blah 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 or over thirty. Then you know, you're making you can make good money on yourself, or you and you tell your friends and other bookies. Mm. But I don't know. I, I don't know why it's 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 very strange that it wasn't legal for so long. But you know, it's just like the U.S. tried to just have control over so much, like with like you know like marijuana was like a huge. Like every state had you know these strict laws and prohibiting you know smoking weed anywhere and then as soon as they started legalizing it and decriminalizing all these states they just saw it as profitability and crime went down you know and there's just less stress and less people are getting arrested for it but for years it was like say no to drugs marijuana is a gateway drug in school you know people's parents are like no don't you trying to catch your kids smoking dope and now you know you got parents and kids Smoking together, and it's not even an issue, and, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, do you think that... Times. Yeah, I mean, times change. Unfortunately, times change sometimes slowly, you know, depending on, you know, what social phenomena we're talking about. But, you know, in, in the case of, the, of of sports betting, do you think there's a scenario where, you know, the NBA will say, essentially, you know, you can only bet on our games if you have a, an official license? Or do you think that's yeah. impossible for them to, uh, to, to introduce and enforce? Oh, uh, no. Or, like, whoever you bet through like Penn National or whoever, they might have to pay a tax to the NBA for each game. So you bet on a game, you bet 100, they have to pay 1% tax to the NBA. So they pay $1 per bet. But that's harder to enforce outside of the states, yeah? So, you know, if you use a, a European, you know, betting company and, you know, I, we're in Germany and we bet on, you know, you know a specific game in the NBA, um, I mean, the NBA can't say. We only get certain games, and that's why I think there has to be uh, something around it because you only get so many games, and you only get certain games that you can bet on. Yeah, and then you get random. Like I, I bet on my alma mater the other day because I saw it pop up on my app, <laughs> and they're not like a big school, small. 20,000 students, like not, not never on national TV, but they were on, they were like one of the four college basketball games on the app the other night. So one minute, so they, they limit 
the games that you can actually bet on? No, I mean, games in the U.S. Like, I don't know. Yeah, so like, if you... Like, say, like, NBA, any given night, there's, like, 15 games on, right? Or eight games or whatever. Like, Saturday night, there's a bunch, and you know, most teams are playing. And, and I checked, like, the B-Win app. There's only, like, three games you can bet on. And maybe it's because they're, they're just... They, it's too much with all the other sports they have. Okay, so you think it may be a choice of B-Win as opposed to some kind of betting licensing from the NBA? Yeah, I doubt it's from the NBA, but... Mm. Okay. All right, I mean, coming to an issue which is perhaps you know, key in in, um, in, in gambling uh, topics anyway, uh, control. H how do you, okay, so you do it for fun. Obviously, you, you know, you, you know how much money you've got you know, in regards to your betting budget and so on. Um, how hard is it for you to control that and to keep your discipline? Is, is this something which you sort of struggle with or are you like really cool with it? I think over time you d develop better habits and more discipline because like last week I put money on, uh, who was it? Arsenal played somebody. Manchester United. No, Southampton. Oh, okay. Was it Southampton? I don't know. I'd have to check the. Uh, maybe the last Saturday, I forget. Yeah, yeah. Last Saturday they played like Southampton. But like for me, like I looked at the, looked at the roster, Southampton's pretty solid team. And they got Theo Walcott and Ings, and they gave Arsenal like real like a lot of money, and I put money on Southampton, and they went up like two nil or, or something. And then one of my friends texted me, was like, "Put money on Arsenal, put money on Arsenal." And I was like, "Why? Like, I'm winning, and they look terrible." He's like, "No, no, no. I'm telling you, like, because they they may give Arsenal like 12 euros for the second half to win." So you put 10 on it, you know, you're winning 120. And that's what you did, was it? Yeah, and I did it, and it was stupid because Southampton ended up winning. So I just, I mean, I still won, but I lost, like, you know, that extra 10 bucks. And mm. then, like, sometimes I talk to my really good friend in the, in the States, and he's still betting, like, through a bookie, through a friend, you know, illegally. Um, but he'll like say, he'll say something about blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like, Oh, and then I do it. And it was just like, not, I didn't even know why I would bet. Yeah. You know, I'm just listening to him and I'm like, Ooh, like that sounds like appetizing. Let me do that too. And then, you know, it's just without even looking at it or knowing anything about it, just putting the money on it. isn't the smartest idea. Like you have to have some sort of strategy. And I think another negative is like some people lose, and then they're like, oh, I got to win this next one back. And then they try to they put more money in another game and they lose again. And you can get, I mean, I've, you can get on a bad roll and lose six games in a row. And, the, you know, some of them are like easy picks. But, you know, yeah, like some Saturdays, all the number one teams lose, you know. It just happens. Yeah, or, or they just or they draw. I guess draws draw, must yeah. be the worst. The draw must be terrible because there is no eventual winner. People don't normally bet on draws, do they? They always bet on one side winning or the other. So uh, I don't really yeah. lose too much. But, you know, just, the only thing about a draw is good when, say you're down the whole game, you picked Arsenal or Manchester United to win, and then they always give it up in the last minute. And let's, you know, Harry Maguire always screws up and lets somebody score. <laughs> Here we go again. Calamity Jones is out there falling down and found, you know, getting a red card in the 90th minute. So Jones hasn't played in years for a start. <laughs> he's uh, still there somewhere. He got he got a red card in training apparently, so that's why he's not playing at the moment. Oh. So, no. He's just, he's brilliant that guy. Mm. Um, he was he's um, predicted to be a future England captain by Sir Alex. So. Anyway, so yeah, so and then you're, they're down the whole game, they tie it, and then they almost go up, and then you were like, oh man, I almost had it, you know. But that's that that's more gratifying than just losing to lose, if you know what I mean. Like, say you're down the whole time, they tie, so you're like, oh, it was a tie, we almost got the win. But if they just lose one nil, two nil, you just you're, you're really just pissed off. But 
if you got like a tie and they were down and they made an effort that you don't feel as bad it's kind of weird mm. in 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 the uk where gambling has been legal forever forever i think I, I don't know if there has ever been a time where gambling was not legal in the uk um but recently i say recently the last perhaps 10 15 20 years they've really been clamping down on um these bookies or these apps which don't follow people's betting habits so you know when people start losing lots and lots of money and then they continue to let them bet um, this is almost punishable um, as in according to you know certain regulations so you know they have to watch out for people who you know keep registering new cards they have to say no they have to refuse uh, bets for you know for people who seem to have um, who be betting because they are addicted as opposed to you know those who are betting like you perhaps socially or uh, you know according to a certain strategy um, do you think something like this will also be introduced in the US? Because I haven't heard any of that. All I've heard is simply, yeah, now it's okay. You know, whereas you know there is a huge, you know, sort of consequent sort of a sector with regards to psychology and behavioral psychology and you know addiction and and thereafter the, the 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 sort of economic bankruptcy and fallout that you can get from from betting and that that doesn't that's not a factor at the moment in the discussion in the u.s mm, no i mean I, I like i love when they send me those little you're you're asking do like as the u.s had a discussion about like the dangers of people betting too much yeah, and how public is that discussion? I mean, it's always a discussion, but I don't, I don't, I really haven't heard too much about the the U.S. betting because I haven't been there. Um, but I know, like people who are betting through bookies, you know, illegally, the bookies not going to tell you to keep watch out. They're gonna, they just want their money. But I've also seen like a bunch of people like get into it. Like the, you know, when you first learn that you can actually bet on the game, you're super excited and you're like, wow, I can bet on football. Great. And you bet and you lose 150 bucks. And then some guys like, hey, I need my money. And then you just like skip out or you pay him and you're like, nah, forget this. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> mm. I've seen a couple guys like start, they get some money together, start their own online betting with their friends, and then none of their friends pay up. Oh, okay, and they have to carry the burden thereafter. Yeah, but I mean, I see. I mean, it is nice when they they give you like a heads up. Hey, you know, you should probably not bet on this. And sometimes if you bet too much, they put like a, a blocker on your account. And you have to wait twenty four hours. Hmm. Yeah, like a cooling down period or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because it's it's you know I mean gambling is similar to most addictions in that you know it can cost you you know almost a life as in you know some of the horror stories that you you sort of read about coming out of the UK where people have uh, they've gone bankrupt they've gone they've resorted to stealing you know other people's cards um, and you know it, it's 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 destructive because it's also led to drinking and to other kinds of substance abuse and families have fallen apart you know, it's you know potentially horrific the the consequences that can follow um so you know i'm yeah i wonder if in this day and age you know considering some of the social issues that uh, you know the usa is facing people are stuck at home you know they can't go out they can't enjoy themselves um you know this could be the a really bad time for, for gambling yeah well i mean you, you've heard about the recent robin hood fiasco that happened last week right no tell me well there's a like a free trading app called robin hood and the whole business plan uh, gamestop like gamestop you mean yeah yeah the whole but yeah but there's been other stocks that were put on like the reddit bets stock bets mm. that they blocked you know and they so they said like you know what happened this robin hood thing came up and a lot of people sitting at home not working and they get their stimulus check blah 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 or they have extra money and they started putting it learning about 
stocks and investing that like not a lot of people know about or educated about in the U.S. Because it's kind of like this hidden society that rich people use to make more money <laughs> by putting their money into something, investing it. But now, since Robinhood came around, it gave uh, like the normal average Joe the the, 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 the ability to invest $100 in two stocks and then watch their money grow or lose, and they learn about it. So, but, uh, a bunch but of guys, so, so a bunch of people bet on these stocks that were going to go out of business, like GameStop, and they blew up, and they went up like 2,000%, and they made a lot of money. One, one kid took out a mortgage on his parents' house illegally, like secretly, for 70000 and bought GameStop, and, I mean, he probably made over half a million dollars. <laughs> Crazy. I mean, I, I heard that the reason why they did this, though, was like a response to uh, a fund, uh, which sort of uh, for some reason they said that they shorted the bets or they, they went short on GameStop saying, yeah, it's going to go into go bankrupt and so on. And and this response was to basically go against the fund. Uh, is is that not what happened? Yeah. These big yeah. hedge fund companies. Yeah, they they bet on the short and they make a bunch of money on the bankruptcy and then they, they saw what they were, yeah so they saw they like, doing that and then these normal people were able to just buy all the stock for that company and so kind of work, work it against work it against them mm. use their own their own game their own trick and, and as soon as that happened the big investors in this in Robinhood and these accounts on in this app. Like called the CEO, like you have to stop this now. So they they stop selling it. So if you already had it, you're okay. But if you can only sell it, but if you didn't have it, you couldn't buy it or buy more. And that's like against the rules, super bad. Okay, but how could they, how could they justify then uh, you know limiting it just because this? Uh, they can't. I'm saying like, it's it's super. It's, ter- it's it's illegal. It's it's fraud. You can't tell people they can't buy something in an open market, mm. you know, just because that the the big people and the investors are going to lose money that they stop it. Really messed yeah. up. Yeah, it, it's, it does seem it, it sort of comes back to that same argument that we'll, you know, we're sort of discussing with regards to Black Lives Matter, isn't it? It's one law for some and uh, another completely for, for others. And Okay, so that's why it's also, and it's the thing about like on the betting. This is also just betting. Like the big hedge funds are betting on this company to go bankrupt because people aren't going into GameStop. They're not going into the location to buy the games because of the lockdown and the movie. They bet on the movie theaters going out. AMC movie theaters is all over the United States. Mm. Uh, Bed Bath and Beyond was another one. That it's like a, a store where you go in to like buy soap and pillows and that's like, like a Danish just whatever that store is. Yeah, Bettenanlager. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, it's like a store just like that. So they were just betting on these businesses to go out of business. And then all these people who are smart sitting at home were like, hey, let's just buy a bunch of it. And then it'll change the whole market. So the big guys were betting on these, this stuff to fail. Just like how you bet in the game, you're like, all right, well they're playing oh, what they're playing at Anfield, and their best players out, <laughs> they're definitely going to lose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess with regards to sports, the, the main difference is that you, essentially within a certain period of time, two hours, three hours, a day or two, perhaps if you're you're betting for you know a few results one after the other, uh, you're going to get the conclusion to your investment, aren't you? Whereas where, when you're talking about shares. Um, you, know, you have to be willing to sit on them, don't you, long term, normally, yeah. um, you know, so to actually reach some kind of uh, conclusion. Yeah, but if these people were sitting at home and kind of buying stuff, making money off it for a couple of days and then selling it. But that's just not the way to do it. It's very dangerous and, you know, you know. That's what, I had a friend that did it here in Berlin, and he wasn't working, and he worked in finance and stuff in, in London. 
and he was, you know, doing that type of day trading. Okay. He lost a bunch of money. And I asked him, like, I was like, hey, man, how do you day trade? He goes, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's probably better that you don't do it, really, is it? Because uh, especially as, you know, at the moment, you know, I mean, are you working as much as you you were before, or is it less, a lot less? I don't know. Today felt like a full day, but no, I'm working less, and I plan on working less in the future. Okay. No, right. um, I mean, but that obviously leaves you, you know, there sort of strategizing your your your, your next uh, adventure, doesn't it? And you know, if it's not traveling here or there, it's it's probably your your betting regime. Yeah, well, I don't know. I'm just trying to use this time to kind of set myself up for a lifestyle that I feel comfortable with, mm. and it's very possible. And there's a lot, you know, I've, I've read a lot of stories and information about people during 2008 and what they did when, like, you know, economies and markets were crashing and tough times around the world and the kind of things they invested in and the kind of jobs they were looking for and career changes. Um, and they made, like, these kind of decisions that people were like, what, are you sure about that? And now they're living like you know these totally different lives they were living in that period time period so i don't know i have a couple of things planned and um, i'm fortunate to live in to live here where it's affordable and my health care is paid for so i don't have all these crazy outlandish bills and living costs um which is important because the u.s it's just i don't even know how they expect people to survive it's really getting crazy and, and this last stimulus check is they're trying to get out. They're fighting over it's like for two thousand euros. I mean dollars. It's just like I mean the average rent cost is sixteen hundred dollars in the U.S. And I don't know how you expect people to survive off that. So I like you know moving here was like it was kind of like oh just fun to you know try something new, learn something new, you know change my environment to being like wow this is actually like a good financial um, decision really. Mm-hmm. It's a good social decision, financially, um, geographically. I enjoy living in this part of the world, I think, just because of the accessibility to travel to other parts of Europe and even go to Asia from here. It's not that bad in Africa. So, yeah, I'm excited to see what the future will bring. Mm. And, and now that I've been working for this long with the same company, and I kind of have a comfortable position that, uh, I'll, I'll, hopefully, I can, I'll continue to get my my salary now, and we'll take on less responsibilities in the new the new time period that's coming, the new era post COVID. Hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, you mentioned Africa, and it reminds me of that um, yeah Egypt documentary I sent you. Have a look at it. I know you completely disagree <laughs> with what I with, with what not I with what this documentary says. Um, but it's it seems plausible, doesn't it? I mean, I I mean I don't I, I guess for me it's because when I when I went to Egypt and I did you know reading and we saw these artifacts and they told us about the people that were there, it makes perfect sense, you know. It's just over time the way that people have looked and migrated to different continents and part of the world, that's why um, they look different now. But if you think about thousands of years ago, whatever, um, yeah, that's what people look like, <laughs> you know. And then, I mean, I think, and then there was like a huge, uh, what do you call it, like migration into mm. Egypt from like Asia, you know, like the Middle East. Like a lot of those people came in and like ruled it. So that's why people started to look different. But you would think, and they all over northern africa and and the europeans well i guess they were going into europe but first but you know i mean like that they just occupation and the religious and all the stuff going on for all those thousand years made people what they look like today but i remember um like when we were on tour a tour someone said like uh asawan is an area in egypt like northern egypt because egypt's like supposedly they say it's upside down 
So when you say the north, it's actually the south. I think it's because of the Nile. Uh, I forget, something like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's like Aswan, where it was like where like the black Egyptians were or something. And that's when I, and when they would say stuff like that, I was like, okay, it make, all makes sense now. Mm. But you should definitely go. You're definitely cool experience. Mm. Give me one moment, Chris. I've just had uh, my little boy is coming. He wants a word. Let me. Uh, we'll come back in a second. Yeah, give me a moment. Okay. All right. So after that little uh, pause. So uh, okay. Yeah. So you were saying um, about the, the the look. So just to give an idea. So there's this documentary which I sent a link to to Chris uh, about uh, where there is a certain theory that. Um, the, the the people that built the pyramids were not slaves, according to this documentary, uh, but were actually like genius builders who originated from Black Africa, and so therefore they had you know certain very um, African features, and in fact this is why, according to this particular uh, documentary, a lot of the faces have been damaged of these. Uh, images uh, which portrayed perhaps builders and other uh, important characters of Egyptian history by Europeans because they didn't want to, as it were, deify um, people from a continent which they consider themselves to be above. But uh, you don't, you don't, uh, you don't follow that. You 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 strongly believe that uh, the pyramids were built by slaves. Yes, I do. Just like the Great Wall of China was built by slaves. The American just Railroad. Just had the White House and U.S. Capitol built by slaves. It was definitely mm. built by slaves. Okay. And that's just right. from the history lessons of the tour guides when I was in Egypt. Yeah, I mean, but this is the thing. I mean, like, like, I get what you're saying, but they, maybe they weren't slaves, but they were servants to the king. You know what I mean? Like, they, they were building it for a king, you know, like... But I mean, this there was this democracy. Democracy. This documentary says that they were respected builders. Yeah, as in, um, I appreciate what you're saying. In some ways, perhaps we are all slaves to the economy or to the rules that we follow in our countries. You know, depending on how um, you know creative you want to be with the language. But with regards to this specific group of individuals, they said that there is there is no um, the evidence does not point towards slaves because it's impossible for the slaves to have built those pyramids because you would need so many uh, of them that yeah, who, it would uh, just... All right, I mean, like, all right, Zach, yeah. when you look at the size of these rocks that are these stones, I don't know, whatever they are, carved into these giant yeah. squares that they built, yeah. At that time period, with no machines and only donkeys, it's it's impossible that someone would do this for for like not slave labor. But that that's what they're saying <laughs> though. You know, but if you watch the documentary, that's what is interesting because they say it's impossible for any number of people, for almost any technology, even today, using the technology that we have today, they say it's impossible to put those huge boulders one on top of the other to create the pyramids that they have created. Um, and they said the only way that they, you could actually do that would be to essentially fill uh, these shapes uh, or these forms, these sort of preforms, which were then built up layer by layer. So the blocks were not pushed onto the pyramid. They were poured. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I know, yeah, I know that. Yeah, so, so therefore what is being said is you don't need an army of slaves what you need is, uh, you know, a couple of very, very good architects and a lot of very skilled builders to do that job, not slaves. And, and they point to the fact that um, uh, like a, a village was built to house these people. I mean, you know, it makes sense, doesn't it? Because in those days, they didn't care if a slave died, bring in another slave, you know, but they apparently took their time. They built homes for these people right next to the pyramids. Uh, that, that just it, it you know the, the question does you know arise there may be something to that yeah uh, i don't know i i don't 
my opinion is they were slaves that built it. Fair enough. Yeah. Mm. No, no, that's, that's fair enough. As in, uh, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to. I'm not to deny it as in any way, as you know. As in, I, uh, you know, strongly believe in the most uh, horrific uh, part of history that was uh, the slave trade that went on for hundreds of years, um, and it should not in any way be forgotten. Um, I was just saying that 3,000 or 8,000 or however many thousands of years ago uh, that the pyramids were built, um, it may have been a different story. At least perhaps it would be nice to think that it was a different story. But um, yeah, there you go. All right. Chris, um, yeah, it was cool actually to, to chat again. We hadn't done it in some time. So um, yeah, we're going to have to do it uh, perhaps more frequently if that's possible, especially as you're working a bit less. So maybe I can take advantage of that. Yeah, I'm, I'm free during the days. Yeah. Today was a good day. Just give me a heads up. Okay. Let's talk about some controversial stuff, man. I want to argue with you. I find I we spend too much time agreeing, more or less. What's going on? Yeah. Let's let's bring something up. Yeah. All right. Cool. Maybe we'll uh yeah we'll find something for. I don't know what we got to think. What? Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry. There's all sorts. There's so much to talk about. I guess uh, the the problem is perhaps drawing out a topic that uh, you know that we're both particularly interested in. I, I want to find something that you you and I don't agree on though. You know, because we sound we sound too nice, man. That's just not right. Anyway, Chris, <laughs> thank you very much, and um, yeah, take care of yourself. All right, sir. Yeah, Have take care, man. Bye. All right.